Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. The Hargan women seem to have it all. We were blessed. My mom was amazing. But detectives would soon discover... Inside the house, there were the bodies of two women. A story of betrayal you would struggle to believe if it wasn't true. I am just praying to God, this is a sick joke. From 48 Hours, this is Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings, wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Through the Ringer. I'm your host, Tate Frazier. It is Tuesday morning, and it is so good to be back after a two-week hiatus with Cousin Sal. Sal, great to see you, man. Yeah, who's got it better than you, Tate? Nobody. Is that what we're supposed to say? Yeah. Nobody, that's right. I think that's, Congratulations. Uh, that's officially a thing now. We all have to say that because <laughs> uh, Jim Harbaugh, in case you missed it, he's a national champion. So uh, that is the world that we woke up. Actually, I'll hold on. The booth is telling me the title's been vacated. Oh, no. So, uh, good while it lasted, though. So congratulations. Well, that was fun. Uh, I, I enjoyed the game. Uh, I guess I did. Uh, the game was a pretty a lopsided affair, to say the least, Sal. And uh, maybe the biggest highlight was when I saw you. I think I saw you in the Jordan box uh in between Jeter and Stephen A. Smith I'm not sure if you were in there but that that might have been the highlight of the game other than Michigan absolutely dominating on the ground what were your thoughts uh watching this game on Monday night well first of all I was so excited for Derek Jeter and Michael Jordan to finally get to meet Stephen A. Smith I mean I know they've been waiting for for such a long time and what better time to happen than at the national championship um so they could share a box together with that, that lunatic great. for four hours. But uh, I, I thought it was a sloppy game, Tate. Uh, I thought it was a sloppy bet because I had watched it plus four and a half and I bought a couple of points and I thought I was looking smart. And uh, I actually wasn't. I mean, they, they were, I, I actually thought you and I were texting and like, this this is over. Why don't we, uh, this is going to be a 40 point blowout. When you get run on like that, it really doesn't seem like you'll ever come back, even with my, Michael Penix at quarterback. And they fought back into the game and uh, ne- never made it back all the way, though. Yeah, we'll talk about Penix here in a second. But, I mean, the real star of this game was Donovan Edwards. I don't know if anyone had that on their bingo card. But going into it, if you had Donovan Edwards from Michigan to record a 10-plus yard rush, you could get that number at plus 700. To- Why didn't you tell me this? I'm so sorry. God. Captain Hindsight did not give me the, the, the news. <laughs> if you had Donovan Edwards to score a rushing touchdown, you could get it at plus 1,000. So uh, <laughs> if you bet on the third-string running back to have a big night there in Houston, uh, you were winning big money. So that was the story. It was the ground game. And Michigan really never never looked back. I got close for a little bit, but Michael Penix, uh, he, he could just not find the accuracy that he was pretty much known for the entire season. What were your thoughts on Penix and kind of his struggles throughout this game? I thought he was being pressured. I think he was only sacked uh, once, but uh, through the two interceptions, the one coming out of halftime was the big one. Now, I know Michigan only kicked a field goal after that possession, but with 14.55 left, you throw the interception, seven having the ball to drive the field to tie. That is a huge momentum swing, and he was just like sailing the ball all night. It really just seemed like overthrows and just wasn't on his game. Not like, you know, he was off balance, never really got his footing down for some of these big throws. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it was what it was. It was sloppy, like I said, 
going in. I don't know what this does to his draft stock. This is kind of like, I, I think he drops a little bit from this. Um, it's funny, we're reading um, J.J. McCarthy is now a first-round uh, quarterback, apparently. So I'm not sure what this game did. Everything got thrown out of whack, but uh, I feel bad for Penix. But they went about as far as they probably should have gone. Yeah, Penix in this game, 27 of 51 for 255 yards, one touchdown and two interceptions in this one. You mentioned the interception to open the second half. It was 17-10. Washington had the football. It felt like they could make it a game coming out of halftime. In first play, they have a turnover. And then from there, it just felt like it was all Michigan. Blake Corum was the real star in this game. 21 carries, 134 yards, two touchdowns. But J.J. McCarthy was the one that gets all the credit, even though he didn't even throw a touchdown or rush for a touchdown in this game. But that is the world we live in with these quarterbacks. Uh, the real star, though, Jim Harbaugh. What are your thoughts on him first dodging the Gatorade bath and all the conversation now about what his next job may be? And a lot of people think it's not going to be at Michigan, even though he just won the national championship. You know, I joked about it and uh, that it should be vacated. But the fact that he didn't get hit with the Gatorade, also another reason it should be vacated. I don't feel it's official yeah. until you get that uh, purple and blue on you. Really, not 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 going to be official at all in my book. But uh, I, I think he's gone. Uh, all I hear is, hey, you better be prepared to pay him some money. Because, you know, a lot of these guys do this for free otherwise. But, no, I, I do think he's gone. I think only Tom Osborne left after a national championship in Nebraska back in the late 90s to uh, just actually step down. Um, so, but I think there's going to be some big money out there for uh, Harbaugh. It'd be funny if he takes his brother's job. What a, what a blind side that would be. Yeah, that was crazy to see John Harbaugh on the sideline. He has no idea his brother might be trying to get his job in the NFL. Right. But, uh, shout out to the Harbaugh brothers. We're about a decade from the Harbaugh Super Bowl, and uh, now you got both those guys. Uh, potentially, both brothers could win their respective championships this season. Um, so there's some uh, some good money on the Harbaugh family right now. Let's talk about next season, because uh, that's what we like to do. We like to forecast. We like to look at the futures here. The next national champion, Sal. Right now, Georgia is the favorite at plus 350. you got Alabama at plus 550. Ohio State plus 800, Texas plus 850, and the reigning national champs, Michigan, at plus 1,000. Is there anybody right now that you have smart money on that you kind of buy into the hype for next year? Uh, yeah, Coach Prime and the Colorado Rock. Where are they? Where are they? Where are they on this list, Tate? Coach Prime, he, he owns September. He just has to figure out the other months. No. Um, I'm going to be boring here and take Georgia at plus 350. I know that 10 to 1 number for Michigan stands out, but you really don't know what you're getting with with Harbaugh or filling in the pieces. I looked at Georgia, 11 of their current players are projected to go pro, including Bowers. But the one thing is they have four um, five-star quarterbacks under scholarship, including Carson Beck. You know, something we said coming into this year is Michigan was the only top Big Ten team to have their quarterback situated, right? We didn't know about McCord, who was going to quarterback for Penn State or Ohio State with, the, like I said, McCord. And there's something to be said. You get a head start on everything when you have your quarterbacks at Georgia. I just don't think Kirby Smart's going to duck out two years in a row. They have Texas, Bama, and Clemson. Those are the tough ones on their schedule. They could have two losses and probably still make the playoffs. And there's people that are kind of upset still that the, the defending national champs, when I'm talking about Georgia, the two-time defending champs going into the season, didn't have a chance to at least make the playoff and make a mm. fight. Obviously, if we had a 12-team playoff, they would have been in the playoff. That's what we'll have next year. So 
um, there's hope and there's optimism for the future that we might have a better bowl system in place to actually, you know, acknowledge who the championship is or the champion is. So we'll see how that goes. Look at the number one pick, Sal. Uh, right now, Caleb Williams is the heavy favorite, minus 650. Drake May there, my North Carolina Tar Heel at plus 470. Marvin Harrison Jr., plus 1500. Michael Penix Jr., who did not help himself in the national championship game at plus 6,000. Is it a foregone conclusion that Caleb Williams is going to be the number one pick regardless of who actually makes that pick, Sal? You know, it's funny. We talk about draft stock dropping in this one game. Penix going all the way to the finals and, and playing poorly or subpar at least hurts him. But Caleb Williams, no matter how bad that defense was and how bad, you know, how many games they lost, it didn't really matter. He's been number one for months, right? Starting probably in, in August all the way till now. He's a huge favorite. I almost think, though, there is a little value in Drake May because if it was going to be the Bears at number one, I'm like, okay, there's too many comparisons to Mahomes. They already passed on Mahomes. They're not going to do it again with Caleb Williams. But if it's not the Bears picking one, maybe someone does like Drake May. So maybe someone, uh, you know, maybe someone trades up. Maybe even Washington trades up and gets Drake May. So I think there is a value in that number. Yeah, and the crazy part about that is Drake May was the backup for Sam Howell in college, and now he can uh -huh. end up taking his job at the NFL level. So there's uh, some drama that could be had between two North Carolina Tar Heels right now. I would hate for that to happen, but I would love to see Drake May go number one, <laughs> be the first number one pick for the North Carolina Tar Heels. And uh, now we've gotten to a point, Sal, where we get to play one of my favorite games. Are you excited? Overreact and underreact. Yes. All right. Okay. I wasn't sure if that was the game, but yeah. All right. Good. As long as it's that, let's yeah, go. It's the game. And uh, we got wildcard weekend coming up, but we're going to start with a college football one for you, Sal. Georgia right. would have won the title this season in a 12 team playoff. Is that an overreaction or an underreaction? Do you believe? Oh man, that's close. I'm going to say overreaction as much. I know I just picked them to win it next year, but listen, I think this would have been the perfect year for a six teamer, right? If Florida state, if you could get them distracted and, and never invite them to even the six team tournament and just add Oregon and Georgia to the four that we already saw, I think we get good matchups all the way through as far as next year. Um, if they were actually this year, if they, they would be a six seed, they would probably go up against someone like Mississippi and win. And then they'd have to go up against a three seed, which is what this Washington team yep. that we saw. No, Texas. two, three. Texas. I don't know. Texas, Texas would be the three. I think they win all the way up until Michigan. And then it's a tough game, much like it was tonight. Michigan probably wins but a close one. They'd be favored, Georgia, in every one of those games. Yeah, that is the crazy part. Vegas basically said Georgia would have been favored against Washington or Michigan, and yeah. Michigan ends up being the national champion, and they don't even play Georgia. So that's just got how college football has worked for quite some time. But again, shout out to the Michigan Wolverines, the national champions this season. Uh, let's talk about a head coach that everybody wants to talk about, Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick ended his Patriots run at its lowest point, Sal. Is that an overreaction or an underreaction? That is an overreaction because he's going to top it next year. He's going to go 2-15 and 15 with this team. Um, they're going to find out he was stealing memorabilia from the clubhouse oh, and course. selling it. Yes, and that's going to be – that will be rock bottom. No, I, I don't think it gets any worse than losing to Trevor Simeon at home uh, and, and putting in the year that they did. Uh, he, you know what? He, he should have – I know it's hindsight. We talked about it. He should have left the year before Brady left, and then – he would have liked looked like an absolute genius. Yeah, well, we know he wants to break Shoeless' record. He does not want to be number two in wins all time. So I do think that there is some uh, football ahead for Bill Belichick. And uh, honestly, him going out in a blizzard felt very fitting. Uh, it was a very chilly <laughs> exit 
for Bill Belichick with his time with the New England Patriots. Uh, let's talk about your guy, Dak Prescott. Uh, yeah. Prescott, Sal, is the real MVP this season, overreaction or underreaction? It's tough. I don't want to say underreaction, but he's, you know, I go back and forth between he and C.D. Lamb. C.D.'s just been awesome, awesome, but I can't imagine this team without either one of them. But I'm not going to complain. Lamar was better in more big games, and I guess that's what wins you the award. It didn't matter what Dak did. It's funny, Dak gets crap for beating up on Washington, it's like, well, Lamar sat out the last week. So uh, I don't know. We have to still favor him, but fine. Guy, you know what? Give it a big Dom. I think what were they one in five the Eagles without him? Yeah, I think he would. He should make a case. Yeah, bring big Dom back uh, for the playoff game. That would be a smart move for everybody. We'd love to see yeah. that. Uh, Dennis Allen, uh, head coach of the New Orleans Saints, deserved to get punched by former Falcon coach <laughs> Arthur Smith. Overreaction or under? No, no, Tate. It's an overreaction. Dennis Allen. He did not call for the code red. Didn't you see? Uh, they disobeyed an order, and luckily no one got killed. I, I it would have been funny if Arthur Smith, after three, seven, and ten years in an embarrassing week eighteen, punched the wrong guy for doing this. So, uh, I, I believe me, I, Simmons brought it up. It's hilarious. It, it could have happened. It should have happened. But I think for uh, for for Arthur Smith's sake, he's lucky it didn't. Do you think Arthur Smith knew he was fired going into that handshake? Because he definitely acted like a man who was okay with his job, uh, you know, being let go at that point. I, I do think he may have known something because um, he came out full full guns a blazing. Yeah, I'm surprised he was even there to see the handoff at the end for the touchdown. I, I figured he'd be cleaning up his out his crap uh, yeah. somewhere in the between the third quarter. And the yeah, fourth. they're driving into the airport already down there in NOLA to get yeah. him out of there. Um, shout out to the Falcons fans. Hopefully they can have a, a new head coach. And it might be Bill Belichick because I've heard yeah. pretty close to Florida. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, speaking of Florida, let's talk about the Dolphins. The Dolphins are the worst team in the playoffs, Sal. Overreaction mm. or underreaction? I see what you're getting at here, Tate, but I'm going to say overreaction. Now, this version of the Dolphins team with the defensive injuries, and we don't know if Mostert or Waddle is playing, pretty bad. Definitely top three, bottom three, actually, in terms of greatness for these playoff teams. But I still feel like, I can't believe I'm saying this, Big Dom's Eagles are the least trustworthy out of anybody. I don't know where the defense went. We don't know if Jalen Hurts is injured. We don't know if A.J. Brown even wants to play for this team anymore. They are a shell of themselves and the least trustworthy and somehow a favorite. We're going to get to that in the line look-aheads, I think. That's one of your yeah. favorite games to yeah, play. second right? favorite game. Yeah, it's going to be a good one. Yeah. Uh, I can't okay. talk about it. Uh, but I think that's a great pick because the Eagles look like a mess right now. Last one, Sal. Jake Browning will be a starter week one next season in the NFL. Overreaction mm. or underreaction? Oh, NFL. I thought you meant UFL. They might be calling for Jake Browning. No, listen, he did a serviceable job. And by the way, you know, I think the Bengals should try to lock him on the contract. You got to get, you have to have two good quarterbacks. And Jake Browning, knowing the system now, could bring this team to the playoffs. And a healthy Joe Burrow will definitely bring this team to the playoffs. So I don't know that he starts, but he definitely, you know, I think the Bengals should try to give them as much money as they can. I know they have to pay Jamar. J I know Chase is looking for an extension and some others, T. Higgins, but make it work. Yeah, we'll see what happens with Joe Burrow's box, by the way. It looks like Jake Browning is squatting there with the entire family. <laughs> so we'll have to figure that out uh, for next season. Let's do some. His girlfriend stole the show. Uh, Google Jake Browning girlfriend luxury box. Sorry, yeah. sorry Taylor, you uh, lose. Yeah, that was the big win. Uh, he, that was actually the best box setting of the weekend. Shout out to Brent Musburger. I know he loved it. There that. you go. Um, let's do some Rob Culture, Sal. Let's do the riverboat. Let's call up the captain. And he's talking about Tiger Woods. After 27 years, he is mm. no longer going to be with Nike. So uh, the question is, 
What is the next biggest celebrity endorsement loss for a brand? And we got the odds in front of us. Nike and Michael Jordan is the favorite at minus 250. We got Herbalife and Ronaldo there at four to one. We got Wheaties and Simone Biles at seven to one. Mm. Uh, we got Icy Hot and Shaq at 25 to one. <laughs> and we got the field at even odds. Who are you taking, Sal, here with the Riverboat captain? I like Icy Hot. I like just the way Shaq says Icy Hot. Oh, get the Icy Hot, put the Icy Hot on. But I'm going to go off, off the board, field, even odds, Floyd Mayweather. You hear about these Hublot watches, these luxury watches, Tate? Yeah, Hublot. Uh, That's what they say. Hublot, is that what it is? Yeah, Hublot. I didn't know we could say it like that. Okay. <laughs> I would like to see him box with one of those on, just a yeah. giant one around the glove. But just in general, stick with Floyd. Don't ever let him go as a... Uh, as a pitch man, I mean, you get someone to buy you the watch and you'll have a, you too will have a toilet made out of thousand dollar bills. So I think stick that, with Floyd. That's a great one. I'm going to go with uh, Frank Thomas and new Genix. Uh, I feel Ooh. like I see that commercial all the time. And uh, without Frank Thomas, I just don't think I buy into the product of new Genix. So uh, shout out to Frank Thomas, shout out to the riverboat captain for that prop culture. We had a lot of fun with that one. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to do some line look aheads for wild card weekend. We'll be right. Yeah. Back. My favorite game. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Welcome back to Through the Ringer here with Cousin Sal. And it is officially Wild Card Weekend. Sal, we made it. Can you believe it? We're finally here. It's the weekend. It feels like Tuesday morning, but I'll take your word for it. You're, you're <laughs> spry and you're you're more on top of these things than I am. That's true. Uh, we do have a few more days before we get to Wild Card Weekend, uh, but I'm fired up and I'm ready to talk about it. So let's do some line look-aheads and let's start with the Cleveland Browns. This is the Saturday 4.30 p.m. game on the East Coast. We're going to take the Cleveland Browns against the Houston Texans. Texans at home, but plus two and a half in this one. Who do you like in this game, Sal? Well, first of all, if you told me in the beginning of the year that the Browns would have to go through five quarterbacks, I think Driscoll was the fifth quarterback, and they would make the playoffs, and they would be a favorite on the road, I would have said, I would have probably said the F curse, Tate. I'd never, ever use that, and I wouldn't direct it to you or forget anything. Forget about but, it. Yeah. Yes, forget about it, that F curse. But this is the Shakey's Bowl. Houston's very familiar with this spot. The seven times they've made the playoffs, they have played the early Saturday game. We watch it at Shakey's every year. Um, they can't be favored because they got slaughtered. I think it was Christmas Eve by two touchdowns to Cleveland. Cleveland was again on the road that time, but it was Davis Mills. It was Case Keenum. Different story. I saw this tick to three, and then some sharp money came in on Houston. Uh, it's tough to make the better quarterback at home an underdog. I think it stays inside three points. I think it's a fair line at two and a half. And are we buying into the Joe Flacco train just a little bit too much, Sal? It does feel like there's so much confidence in the fact that Joe Flacco is just going to go on the road in the playoffs and just beat anybody. And one of these guys he's playing is obviously the rookie of the year, CJ Stroud. So I do think that we've kind of maybe jumped the shark a little bit with our Joe Flacco belief. Am I crazy to feel that? 
No, you're not crazy. And the way to confirm that is I can look at my ledger for futures bets. And I seem to have the Browns uh, to win the Super Bowl and the Browns to do great things. I'm like, oh, yeah, they still have to get past this first round game. And then many others. It is very strange. Um, yeah. And, and and also we're looking ahead to the Ravens, right? It's like, oh, it's got to be Browns Ravens. It's got to be Flacco going back into Baltimore. But we're not really yet close to that happening, even though you think we've hit wildcard weekend. We haven't done that either. Yeah. Everybody is locked in on the idea that the script writers are ready for a Joe Flacco, Lamar Jackson right. battle in Baltimore. So they've gotten ahead of themselves. But first, they have to beat the Houston Texans. And I have to remind people that TJ Yates was the quarterback who won the first playoff game for the Houston Texans. So uh, anything is possible oh, wow. when it comes to the Houston Texans. Texans in the playoffs. The next game we have on Saturday night, this is 8 p.m. We have the Miami Dolphins, the six seed, taking on the three seed, Kansas City Chiefs. Kansas City favored in this game, minus three and a half, and it's going to be on Peacock, so get your subscriptions out, folks. Mm. Um, this is going to be a fun game. Who do you like in this one, Sal? Well, how bad did the Dolphins F up this game against the Bills? If they win, they're the two seed, and everyone's like, well, it may not matter. It doesn't matter. You don't have to go through Baltimore the first week. Like, it matters. It's expected to be 18 below wind chill in Kansas City. Not, I just don't, I don't know that it favors one team or the other, but it's hard to imagine that it favors the Dolphins, and they're comfortable with that. This opened around three, Tate. Three and a half seems right. The old Chiefs would have laid a lot more than three. Um, you know, the most frustrating two teams, I think, in the league offensively. I feel like they should be putting up 35 and 40, and we'll probably see a 10-7 game in the fourth quarter. So uh, three and a half seems right, but also it, it, you know, it seems like they're begging you to take the Chiefs a little. What do you think? Yeah, the Dolphins 0-10 when it's below 40 degrees. So I think mm. that's something to keep in mind. So if they play in a cold weather game, they are not going to be happy campers. I do like the rest versus rust argument going into this game where people are talking about the Chiefs rested and they shouldn't have rested and the Miami Dolphins yeah. are going to be more prepared. But I'm worried about those injuries. I mean, even Bradley Chubb is a guy going back a couple of weeks getting out for this Dolphins defense. Um, I think there's a lot more questions than answers when it comes to Miami. And it does feel like the Chiefs win this game. But this, this year's just been weird with the Chiefs. It doesn't feel like any time they're supposed to win, they do what they're supposed to do. So I'm a little hesitant to, uh, to buy all the way in on Kansas City, but it does feel like being at home, they're going to handle business. They're going to get it done. So Well, you have to buy all the way in on Peacock. I don't know if you've done that yet. Hey, you touched on at the beginning this yeah. is a, a, a separate streaming network that it's going to air on obviously a subsidiary of nbc i don't know anyone over 60 except for maybe mike lombardi who's going to be able to figure this out how to get this on peacock I, and i'm sorry to you lombardi if you're uh not 60 yet but yeah. you look terrible for 59 if that's the case <laughs> lombardi's going to be one of those people tweeting about how dumb it is that this game is on peacock <laughs> and uh right. america cannot watch taylor swift and travis kelsey play in a primetime playoff game so uh <laughs> right. get ready for that it's going to be fun uh the next game in the afc this is Sunday at 1 o'clock. We have the Pittsburgh Steelers coming in as the seventh seed, taking on the Buffalo Bills in Buffalo. Bills minus 9.5, getting a lot of love from Vegas in this game. How do you handicap Buffalo here, and do you like them winning this game, Sal? Yeah, and it went down from 10. It was 10 earlier today. Uh, great job by the Bills going from an 11 seed a couple weeks ago. It was in late December, they were 11 seed to hosting a game as a near double-digit favorite and as a two seed. It's kind of crazy. And good job by the Steelers for finally figuring it out. It took them, what, 15, 16 weeks to figure out that Mason Rudolph was the best of that three-headed white monster quarterback. Sorry, I know you're a Trubisky Tate truth truther in there, but yeah. uh, I think they got the right guy in there, but... The truth is, this is about T.J. Watt. If he could play or not, if he could be effective when he plays, it doesn't look good. It's a sprain in the MCL. Uh, he is the most important defender to his team. I don't know if there's an award for that, but he is absolutely. I mean, they are one in ten without him. His absence adds at least 
two and a half or three points to the spread. A nice journey for the Steelers, but it doesn't look good right now. Yeah, and Buffalo is one of those teams where it feels like the home the home field advantage really matters to this group. And you saw it in Miami. They took over that stadium, and it felt like a home game for them in the last game of the week. They win the division. It has been a roller coaster of a season. We thought that it was dead to rights at one point. They fire Ken Dorsey. They're 6-1 and one since they fired Dorsey, so he obviously changed things around with this team. So uh, Buffalo got a big number to cover, but obviously a lot of momentum going into the playoffs. Now we're going to switch to the NFC. we got the Green Bay Packers. This game is Sunday at 4.30 Eastern. Green Bay Packers taking on the your Dallas Cowboys. Mm. Um, this is the Mike McCarthy showdown here. We got Cowboys minus 7.5 in this game. How are you feeling about this one, Sal? Yeah, I pegged it at 7.5, and, and it was opened at 7. Now back up to 7.5, as you said. And I don't know. We're going into this game. You don't want to go into a game, a playoff game, against the hottest quarterback in the league, right? That's probably one of the things that you want to check off. Okay, we're fine. But Jordan Love is just that. 18 touchdowns and one interception in the last uh, eight games. And and multiple brain cells, which is the first time a starting Packer quarterback has had that in almost two decades. So that's great. Uh, I think the line is fair. Cowboys aren't going to let him run around like he's used to in the last few weeks, uh, sit in the pocket all day and just throw to these overachieving receivers. I'm speaking too highly of the Cowboys now. Great game for Mike McCarthy. Let's pray it's not close with two minutes left. Otherwise, his head is going to explode that he blows it to the Packers. Yeah, and this is one of those games where you do, you do feel like Dak has to get this done for the fan base to get off his back a little bit. So um, we're pulling for the Dallas Cowboys. I'll be pulling for them. Do you think Aaron Rodgers is going to be watching this game, Sal? Will he be pulling against the Green Bay Packers? Who, who do you think he has in this game? I mean, this is obviously a legacy mm. game a little bit. I don't care if he's pulling for them. He should uh, pull on an electrical wire in the middle of the street in a rainstorm. That's what he should pull on. Yeah, that's a good one. There you go. Uh, next, you. next game. That was good. Uh, next one, we got Sunday. This is Sunday night, uh, 8-15 Eastern. We got the Los Angeles Rams taking on the Detroit Lions. Lions minus three and a half at this game. I feel like everybody I've seen, Sal, says this is the Matthew Stafford game. But I think this is the Jared Goff game. This is a team that went to the Super Bowl with Goff that traded him away. He was their number one pick. He was a California kid. They ship him off to Detroit to basically say, we'll see you later. We'll see you never. Then they win a Super Bowl with Matthew Stafford. How much does Goff have to prove in this game? And do you believe in the Lions? You know, I hadn't thought about it, but you're right. Everyone's pointing at Stafford, Stafford. He has to feel Goff underappreciated at this level. And it's back-to-back great storylines because they basically traded for each other. I think it's right around three points. I think we're also buying into the narrative like, oh boy, the Lions, they're going to blow it. And they have, it's going to be even worse than blowing it because they're doing it against Matthew Stafford. But a remarkable job by the Rams getting this far. I think I picked them to have the fewest wins in the NFL, which probably inspired them. Sean McVay is like a solid playoff ready squad. They did great with the rookies. They did great with the draft overall. Aside from that very tough spot for Detroit, uh, I think they would have rather have drawn the Packers, even though it was a division game in the playoffs, to be honest. Yeah, absolutely. And now you have a situation where, you know, the guy who built his career in Detroit comes into Detroit and there's going to be some mixed feelings there. I feel like if you're Matthew Stafford, um, if you got a late game situation, maybe you you lay an egg a little bit and you let Detroit get a playoff win because it's been a long time <laughs> coming nice. and you won a Super Bowl. So that would be nice. Um, that should be on the exit papers. It should have been, you know, in other, other businesses, they have covenant not to compete. They should have done that. Like, if you ever, ever play us in the playoffs, it'll never happen. Don't worry about it. But you got to lay down. Yeah, you got to lay down for us because uh, we've been tortured for quite some time. So shout out to the Detroit fans. I know they're happy to be in the playoffs. That'll be a fun game. Monday night is the last game of Wild Card Weekend. This is going to be at 8 o'clock Eastern. We got the Philadelphia Eagles, the much maligned Philadelphia Eagles, taking on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Buccaneers plus two and a half in this game. Jalen Hurts, there's questions if he's going to be healthy and be be able to play. Most people are saying he will. What do you see here, Sal? 
out. Do you think the Buccaneers can win this game at home? I, I definitely guess I do. I, I don't know what to think of this game. I'm glad it's the last one because I probably won't have enough money left to bet on it. And I have no inkling to do it either here. Um, I thought two and a half was a little high. I'd be surprised if it went to three. It should stay inside at three. You know, Baker is banged up. Clearly, if you watch them against the Panthers, couldn't get the job. Well, he got the job done. They won nine, nothing, but the Panthers basically beat themselves, but he missed some throws to Mike Evans. Definitely a problem with that shoulder. And as you mentioned, Hertz is going to have a problem with the finger. This is just a mess. I mean, you're yeah. really just betting. It, it is a, as a coin toss, as much a coin toss of a game as you're going to get in the playoffs. Would you, would you like? Yeah, I guess I would take the Buccaneers in this game just because the Eagles look like they quit on their coach a little bit, but it is the playoffs. Jalen Hurts, he always has the right answer, and he says that they're focused on the playoffs, and if he can play, that obviously gives them an opportunity, and they are the the better team, right? The NFC South is terrible, so, uh, you know, the Eagles should have a chance to win this game, but I don't have much faith after what I've seen the past couple of weeks, and uh, Matt Patricia continues to be the answer on the defensive side of the football, and that is uh, calls for big concern uh, from my vantage point. Um, what's your long shot Super Bowl matchup? What is something that if you close your eyes, you see possible as a potential Super Bowl matchup? Uh, well, you know, on Simmons podcast, we gave out the what we give out the Browns and 49ers. They imagine if the Browns go and upset the Ravens. But this is what I'm talking about, Tate. I have too much capital on the Browns. And who knows if they're even going to get by that first game. And if, but if we're talking long shots here, I have Rams Ravens. Why not at 53 to one, right? Ravens. That's the team you don't want to play in the AFC. Maybe they get the monkey off their back. They win the whole thing and they get all the way through to the AFC championship, which they haven't been able to do for a few years. And if you're Sean McVay, you've already been there before. You know how this works. You're going to be an underdog all the way through. But 53 to 1 is not bad in my eyes. I like that. I like those odds a lot. And I also think the Rams are a team that can be scary just because of the head coach they have. Sean McVay, he's been there before. He's seen it. And he's got this team to two Super Bowls. So why not number three? So I like that pit. I, I also, I mean, I don't know what the odds are, but I would like to take the Ravens to get to the Super Bowl and then lose. This feels like a Cam Newton, Lamar Jackson season for me where the Ravens get there. Everyone gets excited. They think it's going to be their time and uh it all goes sideways in the end and i don't know if well there's a name it. for that tate it's called the uh conference championship so you like them to win the con <laughs> it's plus 125 yeah but they're bad. the favorite yeah. so i wouldn't say it's a long shot but i, I wish i, I could you. get specific where they make it to the super bowl and they lose uh but you know we'll, we'll leave it there uh, shout out to lamar jackson shout out to the ravens let's do a tate debate sal before let's i let you it. get out of here uh we talked about all the good teams that are in the playoffs and have had good years now let's talk about the worst of the worst my carolina panthers so i asked uh. you sal a simple question Question. Is this Panther season the lowest point for Carolina pro sports? And uh, I'll give you some uh, some options here that things that have happened uh, when it comes to the bottom of the barrel in Carolina sports. we got John Casey's out of bounds kickoff in Super Bowl 38. That was a tough one. Uh, we got the Jerry Richardson scandal. That was, uh, you know, not good. He, he was running the team really well at one time. Uh, the Bobcats going 7-59 and in the lockout season 2011-2012. That was embarrassing. The Hornets moving to New Orleans in 2002. Uh, missed Teen USA South Carolina giving her interview back in Terrific. 2007. And, the yeah, best. Yeah, great moment in time. The Durham Bulls still not being a major league team after all the success of Bull Durham. So those are just some <laughs> uh, few I have at the, off the top of my head. So what, what would you have? Do you think this is the bottom of the barrel for Carolina sports? Well, I don't think so. I think you listed, you kind of listed the one that I would pick here. The lowest point in Carolina pro sports was Super Bowl 38, mm -hmm. and it did involve John Casey, but it wasn't him kicking the ball out of bounds. It was me, yours truly. I don't know if you know this, Tate. I went to media day dressed as John Casey. <laughs> I had the jersey on, right. and I had the number, 
And I went around and I did interviews and many people weren't fooled, but like a lot of the members of the foreign press were all over me because I would talk to anybody. And I was, um, I was uh, not your typical interviewee. I was talking about how maybe we were at the clubs, maybe some dance clubs, provocative dance clubs <laughs> the night before. And I don't even really care who wins on Sunday. And then the real John Casey got hold of this. He heard about this and he is a, very, a man very close to God and he, a God, and he was not uh, up for my shenanigans. And as a result, I was banned from Media Day for about seven or eight years. In fact, I think that's why our producer, Jack, is having trouble getting us a credential this year. I cannot believe that John Casey has such sway. I mean, this guy, he can hold you out, block you out, blackball you. I mean, my goodness, I did not know John Casey could do this. But uh, we needed you to kick that ball off, Sal. And I think I, think I clearly got in his head. Play. Yeah, right. Yeah, I got in his head, right? <laughs> I think Janet Jackson had a weird night that yeah. night, too. Yeah, what a, what a, what a crazy outing. That so was. Tom Brady is not the GOAT unless you dress up as John Casey is what I'm saying. Thank you. So, Thank uh, you. Finally, rec someone recognized that me. That is the real story here. Uh, Sal, you're the best. We're excited for Wild Card Weekend. Where can we find all your amazing? work here at the ringer uh cousin sal's winning weekend i'm gonna have harry on one of your yeah. favorites and peter king will be there and yes. ringer wise guys coming up uh on su saturday and sunday and against all odds podcast listen there all right there you have it sal you're the best thanks so much for being on the show we're gonna take a quick break and when we come back we're gonna have the ringer's very own brian curtis join us to break down all things national championship and beyond we'll be right back With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome back to Through the Ringer. Joining us now, you know him from the Press Box and the Ringer.com. He's back on the show, and he is Brian Curtis. Brian, great to see you, man. I, I'm happy to see that you're holding up after your Texas Longhorn struggled in the playoff, uh, you know, about a week ago at this point. I've been wandering around Bourbon Street a lot, Tate, but I'm... <laughs> I'm back. I'm here. Yeah. I'm here for you. <laughs> well, I appreciate it. Hopefully no live shots on Bourbon Street, uh, no. you know, to, to keep us entertained. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's been quite a ride here throughout the college football season. We do have a national champion and I do want to start there because Michigan gets their first national championship, their first sole national championship. They've claimed 11 national championships in the past, the most recent one back in 1997. But how, how much is that kind of washing over you now that Michigan, Jim Harbaugh, they're the actual national champions in college football? It seems really weird because Michigan's always one of those schools that had a big number, as you say, of claimed national championships, but just had not won many at all in my lifetime. I remember, you know, as a kid, wait, Bo Schimbeckler, that legendary coach, never won a national championship. Can't say right. that about Jim Harbaugh. He's got mm. one. Yeah, nine seasons it took for Jim Harbaugh to get his first national championship. And this team, you know, kind of decided that the world was against him. There was all the shirts. There was all, you know, the garb about Michigan versus everybody. There was the cheating scandal that came out with Connor Stallions. I mean, how much of a media story was this Michigan team? And did they kind of, you know, send a message to all those doubters and detractors by going and actually winning the big game on Monday night? 
So it's funny. Every college football team, including Washington, is it's us versus the world. Nobody is right. giving us any respect. But I was mm-hmm. reading a book the other day, and I was reading about the Detroit Pistons, the bad boy Pistons, who would, you know, Bill Lambeer gives somebody an elbow in the paint, and they say, hey, it's us versus everybody. <laughs> this Michigan team's a little bit like that, right? We had, oh, we had a sign-stealing scandal, and now everybody hates us. You know, they hate us. It's us versus everybody. Well, yeah, it is. Of course it's you versus everybody. It's mm. a sign-stealing scandal. Come on, Jim Harbaugh, come on. But they embraced it, and they and they won. So give them credit for that. Yeah, give them credit. And uh, from the start of this game, I mean, it was dominant on the ground. This offensive line for Michigan, they go down, they, you know, nine plays, 84 yards, touchdown. And immediately, if you're sitting there on the couch with your friends and family, you hit somebody and say, this game might be a long night for the Washington Huskies. Um, what were your thoughts just watching this Michigan team? And what does it kind of say for the program and where it stands in the Big Ten? Because the SEC obviously gets all the credit this time of the year traditionally, but it does feel like this was a Big Ten championship game, so to speak as we look forward into the future. It really does. It's a credit to them that they were able to bring Washington into their game rather than try to play Washington's game. I know Texas got caught up in the ladder last week, but I think when you look at this Michigan team, I think a lot of us like me were kind of lulled to sleep all year because you looked around and you say, you know, I don't see that Michael Penix type playmaker. I don't see that wide receiver, that dynamic running back who is just off the charts, all world good. But the fact is they do have those players and Michigan's starters up from top to bottom are all really good, right? It's a Mm -hmm. team without many weak links at all. And this is a team that lost their best starting offensive lineman a couple of weeks ago to injury. I mean, they are just a complete loaded roster. They're one of those kind of national champions rather than the ones that have a couple of five stars at key positions. And we've seen in college sports, right, the head coaches tend to be the stars. Even though Blake Corum in this game rushes for 134 yards and gets two touchdowns, and Donovan Edwards also gets two touchdowns that were electric early in this game. Um, At the end of the game, they're talking to J.J. McCarthy, the quarterback, and of course we're talking about Jim Harbaugh. And that's what I want to talk about with you, Brian Curtis, because have we ever seen a situation where leading into a national championship game, all we're talking about is what is the next job for the current head coach of the team that just won the (laughs) national championship? How fascinating was the coverage? of Jim Harbaugh this entire season it's so wild right because usually this is the coach saying I won a national championship now I can accomplish all the things I want to do now the program's built now my recruiting is going to take off and we hear that he may be looking at the NFL I think the Harbaugh thing is hilarious because you saw all those interviews he was giving the last couple of weeks before the bowl games before the playoff games and he was kind of going back to the old fun Jim Harbaugh that used to be on Twitter remember that Harbaugh of like eight years ago, something like that, where he's like, you know, if Jesus was a recruit, he'd be a five-star. You know, like, wait, we're back to wacky Jim Harbaugh instead of that kind of, you know, Jim Harbaugh involved in the scandal guy America loves to hate. So I just thought it was very funny to cycle back through those old personalities. And, you know, it was kind of fun, I guess, for what it was. Having John Harbaugh and Jim Harbaugh were about a decade from the Super Bowl back in 2013 when they played each other, the Niners and the Ravens, brother versus brother. How much is that a story that the media loves to eat up, the fact that these two brothers are going head-to-head on the biggest stage? You saw well, ESPN just loved that shot of John walking over to Jim, <laughs> right. which was really weird, wasn't it, Tate? Like that he was kind of surprising him on the sideline during the national championship. Yeah, oh, what are you doing here? Hey, great to, <laughs> great to see you. Let's hug it up right here, right on this. Like, is this a good time to do this when, when Jim's kind of locked in on winning the biggest game of his college football life? But no, the media loves it, of course. And, like, it's not crazy that they would play in another big game because they're both good coaches. 
Yeah, and Jim Harbaugh, he, he's got uh, quite a knack for dodging the Gatorade baths. He did get taken on the second bath. Uh, we did see that. But again, wins the national championship, gives Michigan fans what they've been fiending for for you know over a century at this point. So uh, hail to the victor. Shout out to Michigan. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about your Texas Longhorns, the future of college football, and the uncertainty of the Pac-12 as we move forward in the world of big-time college football. We'll be right back. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Welcome back to Through the Ringer here with the Ringer's very own Brian Curtis. And Brian Curtis has put on his media cap because we're going to do a nice little year in review here. I love the props, Brian. Uh, I love to see that. And I love when we get a capital J journalist in the room. So appreciate you stepping up to the plate for us. We needed to see that. I'm kind of the prop comic of the Ringer. That's what I've emerged as over the years. So I'm, I'm happy to help. Yeah, I like when we do things for the bit. You know, there's a lot of people that do things for the brand or for the boys, but for here, we do it for the bit, and uh, we love to see that. Let's talk about Texas season in review. This is obviously a program near and dear to your heart. Um, do you feel good about making it to the Sugar Bowl? Because uh, obviously, there's no consolation prizes in big-time college football, but it felt like the next step for the, for the Sark era there in Austin, Texas. Do you feel that way as a fan? Do you feel good about the fact that you almost had a chance to go and win the Sugar Bowl and make it to the national championship game? I really did because they felt like they got there a year or two early. So it mm -hmm. wasn't, oh, my gosh, we're at the mountaintop. We have to win it right now. I think everybody was pretty happy to be there. And and also the way that game unfolded in the Sugar Bowl where Texas was chasing Washington the whole game. They almost stole at the end, but it never felt like, hey, we're going to win this game. And, oh, it got taken away from us. So I was pretty good with the whole thing, and I think most Texas fans were too. There was a lot of uh, coverage, obviously, of Arch Manning uh, going into the season. There was a lot of conversations about, you know, the fact that Arch was going to eventually get the keys to the program. We saw during media day after Quinn Ewers gets all the questions, the media, you know, the, the, the scrum goes over and they, you know, basically circle Arch Manning like, you know, he's Peyton Manning or Eli Manning. How much are we keeping an eye on the coverage of Arch Banning? And what do you think that's going to look like when he eventually does become the quarterback there at Texas? It's absolutely fascinating. The picture you're talking about was in the Superdome in Texas. His starting quarterback, Quinn Ewers, who's really good, was <laughs> really good. Yeah. looking behind him because nobody was talking to him. And everybody was talking to Arch Manning, who's barely played at all and isn't probably going to play until 2025. And just think about that. Like, he, he came onto the field for the very first time and had to quiet the crowd at his home stadium <laughs> because everybody was so excited to see him. I mean, it's I've never seen anything like that. And I was, you know, at school when Chris Sims was there, who came in with kind of that son of a famous quarterback, son of a Super Bowl winner kind of mantle. But Arch is just like this celebrity playing college football. And if you talk to him or hear him talk, he's very – low-key very down to earth i'm just a guy playing football he said at the sugar bowl i'm not some hero i'm not some football hero but you know he just has that aura around him that buzz it's fascinating yeah 
And he's the third string quarterback. I think we have to remind people of this because uh, if you didn't know that, you would think he's the starter and he led them to the playoffs. So uh, there, there's a lot of conversations to be had. Do we think there's any controversy ahead where we have like a, a quarterback battle? Quinn Ewers is going to come back for this Longhorns team. If if the season is not on, on the rails, so to speak, at the start of the year and maybe they lose the game early, do you think the fans, they, they start to get together? Everybody loves the backup quarterback. Did they try to push for Arch Manning to get in maybe ahead of schedule next year and we see him play before many people think he he will actually play absolutely we do and i think you know every time we, everything we hear from people that read texas message boards is the mannings are patient don't worry they, they they understand they're patient but people from the outside look at it and go wait a second you got the number one overall ranked recruit and he's gonna sit for two years that never happens in college football anymore in the in the era of the transfer portal so it would just make sense that he would play next year either whether yours gets hurt you were struggles somehow and I don't know. I think I would just bet on him playing significant football in some form next year. Yeah, I do feel like the pressure is going to mount, and especially when you're in the SEC. And the oh. SEC is fascinating um, as we forecast what it's going to look like next year. Obviously, Texas and Oklahoma are going to be there. Let's talk about Nick Saban because he is the class of the SEC. He gets humbled in the Rose Bowl, loses to Jim Harbaugh, but now you lose to the eventual national champion. So it leaves a little bit of a better taste in your mouth when you talk about this season for Alabama. He talked about how they overachieve. You obviously have Georgia, who you know a lot of people thought they should deserve a shot to go for the third straight national championship. Where does Texas fit in in the SEC? And, and how many leaders and kings or whatever you want to call them can there be in the SEC? Because there's a lot of people that think they're going to be um, in the Iron Throne or on top on top of the mountain. I think a lot of teams think they're going to be kings, and there's going to be a lot of dukes. What's what's the level <laughs> down from the king? The yeah, prince, a lot the of dukes. dukes. There you go. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of dukes where it's like teams that are right around eight wins, seven wins that could you know possibly get up there. But I mean, look at the schedule. It's I'm not much of a soccer guy, but it does have that Premier League feel where you're going, oh man, like Texas plays Oklahoma, and the next week Texas plays Georgia. Like these just games every week are going to be so huge, but it does feel like, and I think you're probably with me on this when the sec has an off year, quote unquote, like they did this year, not in the national championship game. It feels like college football almost always reverts to form the next year, whether that's Bama, whether that's Georgia, whether that's one of these Dukes climbing up into the sec and getting into the playoff. And I just have a feeling next year feels like an sec year. And we have a lot of characters in the SEC. Obviously, Sark is coming in, um, so he's going to add uh, some more drama, especially with his you know relationships in the past with uh, Nick Saban. But you also got Lane Kiffin there at Ole Miss, who's working his wonders in the transfer portal, trying to get as many guys as he can to come down to the SIP and play for Ole Miss. Um, do we think that Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss can maybe take a step forward and become one of those programs in the same conversation as a Georgia or as an Alabama as we get into the new version of the SEC? Well, the 12-team playoff, I think, is the best thing to ever happen to teams like Ole Miss and by the way I'd put Texas and other teams like that in that category too where it's a real lift for them to get into the 14 playoff I got 12 right there's a lot there's going to mm. be a lot of those nine and three type teams that you look at and go you know that's a really good team at the end of the year Penn State's another one could never seem to beat Michigan and Ohio State when it counts but this year might have been on the edge of that 12 team playoff I, th I think those kind of programs are going to benefit greatly from next starting next year and the other person that we kind of forget when we talk about the big-time coaches sometimes, I mean, they had the Heisman Trophy winner this year, Brian Kelly, down at LSU. He had the had the Southern accent. Um, he bought all the way into being the LSU head football coach. Um, is there any world in which Brian Kelly 
leaves LSU. I mean, I know there's been some rumblings. If Jim Harbaugh was to make the jump, maybe Michigan goes after Brian Kelly. Is there another domino, a big domino that could fall where maybe an SEC coach gets poached by the Big Ten? Because this is essentially where we're headed, two super conferences in college football. Don't you like it when people say, well, he's a Midwest guy. So, of <laughs> course, he would go to Michigan. You're like, oh, is he such a Midwest guy that he came down to LSU, went through all that ridiculous stuff with the accent that you're talking about, right? Was Crazy. in those Was in those things with the recruits where they were on those weird rotating. Dancing, right. Oh, my God. It was unbelievable. <laughs> I kind of think he's bought in, right? You can change your bit once, your regional bit, but I don't think you can change your regional bit twice. So I kind of think he's going to stay at LSU. And I think there's a lot of videos that have shown him uh, hamming up that accident thing. So it would be tough for him to backtrack. But if there's anybody that can backtrack and make it work, I do think it is Brian Kelly. So that's something to keep an eye on. Let's talk about the demise of the Pac-12. Obviously, Washington, um, there was a lot of good teams in the Pac-12 this year, but they make it to the national championship game. Now they are officially a Big Ten team. If you look at their Wikipedia, it says they're in the Big Ten. So RIP the Pac-12. Two teams left, and they're both going to be playing Mountain West Conference games next year when we talk about Washington State and Oregon State. Um, where do we kind of where do, what do we think of the Pac-12 as we look back on this conference and kind of where the missteps were to lead us to the point where they're completely demised, even though they had one of the best years in college football? That's what's so weird about it, because I think if they hadn't, you and I would be saying, eh, shrug, it's the Pac-12. They went out. They weren't rele the relevant conference like they were for the last several years. And then they had this awesome year where you look forward to seeing Washington play, Oregon, SC right until it fell apart, Oregon State weirdly good, Washington State had some great runs this year. It was just like Arizona. Yeah, this was the best possible version, you could argue, of the conference. And also, by the way, it was incredibly fun. Washington was an incredibly fun team to watch play. Oregon was an incredibly fun team to watch play. So weirdly, though it's gone, it leaves kind of a good taste in our mouths, which is which is happy, right? That was that we saw the best possible version of the thing as the last version of the thing. And now we're going to all say, wow, what could have been, uh, which is, you know, not not the <laughs> what people might thought, which is like, I'm glad that's over with. So yeah. uh, rest in peace to Pac-12 after dark and uh, the Pac-12 itself. I'm going to miss watching those games. Uh, Coach Prime, we only get one year of Coach Prime in the Pac-12. He is now advocating on Good Morning America and other shows to have more privacy around his program. <laughs> what do we expect Coach Prime to look like in the Big 12 next year? Do we think he's going to get more privacy? I'm asking those college pregame shows to leave me alone. <laughs> Affleck, go, leave him alone. Go to Ann Arbor. <laughs> go somewhere right. else. Yeah, the commercials, get out of here. Those recruits that want to visit me, the transfer portal, everybody get away. Um, you know, it's so funny because I think for, what, three or four games, he basically turned college football on its head and also told us, you can build a program instantly. You don't need mm -hmm. a couple of years to build up your lines, right? This is what we always hear. It's going to take two or three years to really get to that championship level. And then after three or four games, we're like, oh, wait, it does take that long. So I think it sort of comes down to a couple things. Dion is a program builder, which we haven't seen at this level of college football, and Dion's patience to stay at Colorado and really want to build a program there when, let's face it, something interesting could come along in the NFL, something interesting could come along somewhere else in college football. Does he want to hang in and do it in Colorado? I have no idea about that, and I'm not sure he does either. Uh, Brian Curtis, where can we find all your work, and then we'll let you get out of here and enjoy your Tuesday. Pressbox Podcast, ringer.com. Pressbox twice a week, man. Always good to see you, Tate. Great to see you, Brian. Appreciate you coming on the show. We'll have you back soon. Thank you, man. Talk soon.
Well, there you have it. Thanks again to Cousin Sal and thanks to the Ringer's very own Brian Curtis for joining the show. It's great to be back in the saddle here and uh, we got some great games this weekend for Wildcard Weekend. Tune in for those. Tune in to Cousin Sal's winning weekend and also tune in to Through the Ringer on Friday. We have Nora back on the show and we're also going to have Waz on the show to talk some NBA in studio. So uh, no Zoom look. We're going to be in studio there at Spotify. So it's going to be a jam-packed show, going to be a fun show and we'll see you Friday morning here at Through the Ringer. 